Hey everybody and welcome to the latest edition of What Have We Been Watching, a movie deep dive into your favourite topics each and every week. I'm your host Steve, joined by my co-host as always, Noel Letter. Last week we looked at our beginning of our rankings of every Walt Disney animated uh, animation studio film of all time. We looked at our 59 to 41. If you haven't, go back and check that one out. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you guys listen to your favourite podcast each and every week. I'm joined always by my co-host, Noel Letter. Nolsey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. Ready to get rocking and rolling with yep. part two. I know. I'm pretty excited to see. We had a lot of different opinions in part one. I'm yep. sure we'll get to that as we name those movies in this part of the list. Uh, but the middle part, it's an interesting part because, you know, they're not quite at the, the top tier level. Yeah, um, but they're still kind of also hard to put in order as well, I found. Like, it was a bit... There was a few that I kind of really love and I like, felt a bit bad putting it in this part, but... Absolutely. Pretty much for me, this point onwards, all these movies are pretty good, if not top yeah. tier, because yeah. uh, Walt Disney... Their animation department obviously have some fantastic films. And, uh, you know, we're not going to waste too much time here. We're going to pretty much get straight into the list. So, as I said, if you haven't checked out the previous part, it's out on all the uh, podcast platforms that you can find it. Uh, please remember to like What Have We Been Watching Movie Podcast on Facebook and What Have We Been Watching on Instagram. Noletta, are you ready to get into part of the list? I sure am. All right, let's get to it. Alright guys, so we're going to start our 40 to 21 part of this list now, and last episode, uh, just to recap, you guys can go watch the full episode, but we ended, my 41 was Oliver and Company, and I'll let yours was Meet the Robertsons, so yep. we're going to get to your 40 to 36 now. Yep. Let's kick it off. Okay, so at number 40, I have Oliver and Company. My number 41, that was pretty yeah, close. It was. Well done. <laughs> oh, well done. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this sort of, this movie was a take on the story of Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens, um, but it centres around a cat and dogs. Um, it was made in 1988, had some songs by Billy Joel. Um, it's, I mean, it's a fun movie. I enjoyed it, but it is, yeah, kind of in that time just before Disney kind of hits its peak, I think. Uh, and you can kind of tell that. But, I, yeah, I, I still really enjoy it. But yeah, And I feel kind of bad putting it this low, but there's just other ones that I think are more enjoyable. Compared to what was going to come from the studio, this is definitely one that's kind of in the dark ages for Disney, let's be honest. Um, that part just before the Renaissance hits. Yeah. but. Overall, I, I wasn't too... I know this obviously is a take on Oliver's twist, Oliver Twist, but I wasn't a huge fan of the story of this movie. But I really think the characters are very likeable. And yeah. I like the animation that is on in New York. Really good. Um, as you said, Billy Joel, absolutely stand out of this film. I reckon mm -hmm. his performance is really good just from a voice acting point of view. But his song, Why Should I Worry, one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah. I also really like... Uh, Huey Lewis's song as well, New York City, at the start of the movie. Yeah. Really, really good. Apart from that, I know that you're, you're a big animal lover and all that. I think the, the, the plot's a little bit generic, to be honest with you. I The whole villain, the, the, the story didn't really draw me. Um, I mean, it's a bit generic because, because it's it, been yeah, done. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, like, 
But like, you know, you got uh, Cheats being Tito, a bit of a, you know, stereotypical character. Yeah, um, yeah you know what I mean? Yeah, I just, yeah. I wasn't really interested in what was going on on screen, but I really liked yeah. the style and the music of this film. So yeah. it was the first time I'd watched it as well in my life watching it during oh, this really? list. So I've never seen it in it before. Wow. But as I said, the I like the advertising. I know they obviously try to get some money. They had the Coca-Cola and stuff in there. But I really like how they designed New York City. And I think that and Billy Joel's performance is probably the highlight of this film for me. Yeah, I agree. Like that song is just... I mean, it still holds up as probably one of the better Disney songs. Because it's well, made by a very talented yeah. musician as well. Yeah. Let's be honest, Billy Joel, <laughs> one of the best artists of all time. So, um, yeah. But as I said, compared, this is something that weaves over Disney that made Black Cauldron and... You know, didn't do fantastic, yeah. and they were trying to get to the next project. And this is kind of just one of those. It's a little bit like Bolt, which we've already talked about, yeah. where it's one of those kind of. It's shifting to a you know a, a better new, time for Disney, yeah, a new age, yeah. but it's not quite there yet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, so that was my number forty. Move on to my number thirty-nine. Um, so this one is Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Yep. That is on this part of the list for me at number 33. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So um, Robin Hood was made back in 1973. Obviously, I feel like everyone sort of knows the story of Robin Hood now. You got the poor stealing from the rich. Um, I mean, I really enjoy this movie, but the reason why it's kind of so far down is because... I think there's a bit of common knowledge with that Disney kind of repurposed a lot of the scenes throughout Robin Hood because they were kind of in their lowest point um, financially wise. Um, so they kind of, yeah, used up a lot of scenes that they'd done previously, like stuff from like Sleeping Beauty, things like that. So for that reason, I think it kind of deserves to be a bit lower in the list but it's still really enjoyable and i grew up watching this so like so much as a kid as well well this was one of my so this again another one of these movies that i watched for the first time doing this list i know it's a, a favorite of many children that grew up around this time but it's obviously one of the disney movies in their canon that is less appreciated than a lot of others and it's not really discussed disney don't really bring it up they don't really use it for any attractions or anything like that from disney world and stuff you don't see this movie yeah. um very much out there in the space and that's why i think i enjoyed it so much watching it for the first time it's 33 it's a little bit higher than your 39 placement Wait, so this is another one you watched the first uh, yeah as i said i'd never seen it before so um this was again i'd seen i've seen a lot of the disney movies before but not robin hood and i knew it was a, a personal favorite for a lot of people mm -hmm. but also a very unappreciated film and then when i watched it i was surprised about how good it was because for disney never to mention this um i think that it was it was a really really enjoyable watch yeah it is really enjoyable. They do reuse some of the animation from stuff like Snow White and Sleeping Beauty and stuff like that um, because obviously they're, yeah, they're at their lowest, lowest point financially. But overall, I was just thoroughly enjoyed. I liked the story of Robin Hood already, so I feel like that pretty much engaged me from the start. And um, the the voice performance is really good. Brian Bedford's really good as Robin Hood. Um, but the, the standout for me, Phil Harris as Little John. Uh, you know, I know him more as obviously Baloo, um, from the Jungle Book, um, from my personal experiences, but he's back better than ever. He obviously plays Thomas O'Malley as Mally as well from the Aristocats, but he's fantastic. He's an element in this film. I really like the chemistry between Robin Hood and May Marian as well in this movie. It's a good highlight. Sometimes when you get adaptations of Robin Hood films, you, the the chemistry is not there, but I think it's really good. Um, 
for an animated film in this one. And I think, yeah, I think it's just an entertaining watch. The Sheriff's a good villain. Um, and overall, it's just thoroughly entertained, uh, entertained by Robin Hood. Why it's 33. It's, it's a middle-of-the-road Disney movie for me, but it's one that I feel like Disney should talk about more when they yeah, when I they agree. look at some of their classics. I, I feel like they've kind of, yeah, just shoved it to the back because they have repurposed scenes. But, yeah, it is very enjoyable. And it's kind of got the the Disney heart that you expect from their movies as well, yes. I think. And Robin Hood's played very heroic. Like, you got the yeah. children in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Maid Marian's shown that she's more than capable to defend herself in this movie. So I really like um, that they kind of give each of these characters, little John included, chances to shine. And um, I think it's a it's a good movie for kids to watch. It's mm. They have role models to look up for. It's yeah. not one of these darker Disney movies like, you know, the Black Cauldron or Oliver and Company, you know, it's a little yeah. bit more gritty than than a movie like Robin Hood, which is light, it's fun, it's just, it's just, you know, it's a good movie to watch on an afternoon, just yeah. be entertained, you know what I mean? So yeah. not not nothing too serious this one. So Okay, so moving on to my number thirty eight, which is Lady and the Tramp. That is my number thirty nine. So pretty close okay. again. We're starting this list off pretty close, pretty similar. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get to some disagreements later, but, but yep. <laughs> at the moment we're on we're on good terms. Um, so this was created back in 1955. Um, it's about a dog that sort of grows up in a wealthy, wealthy family and then gets sort of shunned outside and and um is forced to sort of live with a with a mutt, I guess is the best way to describe him. Um, or a tramp. Um, but um, I feel like, I don't know, I really love the whole storyline of this, but the reason why it's kind of a bit further back for me is because, yeah, there are some sort of racist stereotypes in this movie. Um, but overall, I mean, like, there's some scenes in this that are so iconic, like the the um, spaghetti meatball scene. I mean, the amount of times this has sort of been reused throughout cinema, basically. Um, it's one of the greatest scenes of all time, without a doubt, in yeah. my opinion. So, um, like animated scenes, at least, anyway. So, yeah. definitely one of Disney's greatest greatest achievements that that particular scene. Um, overall, I'm a big fan of this movie in terms of Lady and the Tramp themselves and and their chemistry. As I said, I'm a big sucker for chemistry, and I think that they're they're really good together. The movie as a whole, I don't think is fantastic. But I think it's a it's an it's a good addition to the Disney canon. Obviously, people so a lot of people just like Robin Hood consider this to be a classic. But apart from the the spaghetti scene, it's one of the it's one of those ones again that don't get brought up too much in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um. I was I hated the remake that they did a couple of years ago. I hate yeah, that movie. I, enjoyed it. I really <laughs> I really like the animated a lot better. Um. But yeah, there definitely is some some problems. I mean, you've got. Uh, Darling and and the husband who I yeah. can't I can't remember what his name is on top of my head but they and their relationship with with Lady is very it's an interesting dynamic there um, the supporting characters don't really do it for me in this movie either um, at all to be honest with you I mean you've got the Siamese song which is yeah. what you're alluding to with the racism mm-hmm. that doesn't hold up and I just feel like this movie's from a, a an era of Disney that doesn't necessarily hold up today I mean you've got um, I can't remember her name either, but uh, the the lady that uh, the dog that liked uh, 
Tramp. Tramp. Yes. Peggy. Yes, Peggy. Yes. Uh, I'm not a big fan of her character. I think that's... It's, it's one of these ones that doesn't really hold up in modern times. One thing I will say about the supporting cast is I do really like um, Beaver. Um, he's, he's a good character and um, some of some of the of ladies' friends as well. So, um, yeah, but like overall, this is a, another one that's for me is very light entertainment. It's nothing to take too seriously. But yeah, some of the stereotypes and uh, themes in this movie don't really hold up today. Yeah, so. definitely not. Yeah, it's something. I think that's kind of where the remake kind of fits in as a more watchable movie in this day and age just because they've kind of taken out those stereotypes so but yeah yeah still it's an interesting one to go back and watch that's for sure <laughs> it was okay so my number 37 is ralph breaks the internet right this was on my was, first part yes. on the list that my number 43 spot yep um, so, I mean, the reason why I've got that kind of a little bit higher is only because I think the, in, the animation is really well done. But, and plus, I really enjoyed seeing all the Disney princesses as well. But, I mean, so this is a sequel, something that Disney doesn't really release very often, um, theatrically. Not uh, at all. Yeah, well, there's been two. Yep, um, three. Three? Three? Rest of it. Oh, yep. Yeah, yep. being the third three. one. Yep. yep. Um, and I mean, so obviously this is, follows Ralph again, Penelope, um, where they're kind of living the same life day to day. Penelope gets a bit over it and wants something a bit more exciting and Ralph trying to help her out doing this kind of accidentally breaks her game. Um, so they travel to the internet to find the piece and to help her get her game back. Um... I think, like, it kind of... So I kind of got a bit confused at what year this is meant to be set, only because at the start when, like, the the owner of the arcade gets um, his gets the internet, he's using, like, a really old-school Apple computer, but then when they go into the internet, there's all these new, like, apps and stuff. You've got like, eBay, you've got yeah, Amazon, the kids yeah. are using their phones, you know, so I understand why that is a bit... It's, that was the first. That's the first. I think that's more just to show that he's old school, the, yeah, the arcade owner. I think so, but I just don't think it was done very well. Like that, because I feel like you couldn't, you wouldn't even be able to find one of those computers. Probably know, not. Like, no. So yeah, I just feel like that just was not done well. Um, but I really enjoyed the scene where all the Disney princesses come in and they all reprise their their roles, and thought that was really well done, and how they sort of help the the ending as well, like. For me, that's easily the highlight yeah. of this movie. I think that's easily the top of it. Uh, it's amazing to see the mm -hmm. actresses, a lot of them, reprise their roles yeah. and uh, everybody get a little bit of time. Like even Merida from, from Pixar got, yeah. got her moments there. They made kind of fun of her, yeah. but it was, it was a good... <laughs> it was a really good scene. It's, a, it's, it's, great to, it's great to see them, you know. Disney princesses are such a integral part of what's made uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios um, so, you know important i guess and so successful over the years that it's good to see them make fun of themselves a little bit with yeah. that and yeah. with the stereotypes that those princesses have and it was great to see them back just together in a scene i think it's something that's definitely been you know a dream of a lot of little girls and a lot of disney fans in general uh for a very long time so it was amazing to see them together but for me that's easily easily the highlight of this movie and the rest of it 
I've got a lot of issues with. So um, hence why I was at my 43 spot. It's not yeah. the worst, but I mean, for me, I, the movie starts poorly in the sense that they kind of side sideline uh, fix it Felix straight at the start and and um, what's her name? <laughs> give, me, give me Sue Sylvester. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they kind of sideline them. Uh, Jane Lynch, Sergeant uh, Cowhorn, um, at the start of the movie with you know they did the whole adoption kind of storyline yeah. with the Sugar Rush characters and then they go into the internet and for me it's a lot more of cultural references and you know they're promoting YouTube basically mm-hmm. in this with with Ralph's you know viral yeah. videos and there's a lot of like nods at the internet and and hints at humor but there's no real overall plot and the plot's what to get a a piece to fix the game and it's just like where are we going with this we're kind of going in a circle the whole movie there's no real, nothing to really keep you engaged. And it's a really a long Disney movie when you look yeah, at it. It's over two hours long, this thing. Yeah. And it, for a paper film plot, it didn't really need to be that that long at all. And while I really like the, the dynamic between Ralph and Penelope, I feel like the the end of this movie, the third act's really poor in particular with, you know, the duplicate Ralphs. I just was not engaged by the plot at all of this movie. The animation's really good. Disney Princess is really good. I like some of the, the jokes at the internet you know, yeah, expense. I really like when he reads the comments, which you never should do, yeah. and he freaks out about it, and it's hilarious. <laughs> but overall, to, to carry a two-hour movie, I think that they need a little need bit a more. Bit, yeah, a bit yep. more. I agree. So, yep. That's all you want to say about Ralph Breaks the Internet? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like it's, there won't be a third movie. The, I feel yeah, like I it's, I feel so like it's done now. So I mean, um, like, it's crazy because it's, it's rated so high. Like, so many people rate it really well, but... It's, yeah, just for me, I don't know. Well, we'll get to our thoughts on the first movie shortly, I'm sure. Yeah. But but overall, I'm a much bigger fan of that movie than this one. So. Yes, me too. Yeah. Me too. Okay, my 36 is The Rescuers Down Under. That is my 36 also. Oh, look oh, at that. Look hey. At that. <laughs> Mostly yes. on the same page so far. It's very shocking. It is. It's, it's definitely good change I feel um so I absolutely love this movie um the reason why it's a bit low is because I feel like yeah the kind of storyline doesn't hold up as much um but so basically this is another sequel which one that I forgot about made in 1990 um it's so the rescuers which are Bernard and Miss Bianca go to Australia they go down under to, to, our, to our home to, country. <laughs> to our home country to help a boy. Um, what's his name? Cody. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cody. Corey. Cody. Either way. Continue. Same name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cody. Um, it is Cody. I apologise. <laughs> and so, I mean, so he's trapped by a poacher who's trying to capture a a giant golden eagle, which I mean. We don't even have that bird in Australia to begin with, so the fact that that's like the main <laughs> the main thing is kind of a bit weird. I don't know why they didn't really kind of research the eagles we have here, but sure, fair enough. Um, I mean, overall, I I really like this is kind of one of those moments where it was like nostalgia versus good movie for me because I grew up watching this movie so so much, but in terms of where it falls in like the Disney world, it's kind of not their, not their best, I don't think, but um, I still, 
I still love it. Like, I just kind of, I love the whole dynamic between Bernard and Miss Bianca and, and how he kind of, like, gets a bit jealous of the, the Aussie rat guy, whatever his name is. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I just kind of feel like the characters... Jake is his name, by the way. Oh, yes. Jake, that's it, yeah. Um, while they're, like, good, I feel like they're kind of not as memorable as what the first sort of movie is. Well, you covered it for me uh, straight at the bat. The dynamic between Bernard and Miss Bianca, played by Bob Newhart and, and Eva Gable, uh, easily, uh, and this was the last film role actually, but easily the highlight of this movie for me. Um, their chemistry is fantastic. I think it's a it's a, a solid addition to the Disney canon, but it's one of those ones where when they're the highlight of the, highlight of the movie and they didn't even get to Australia until 40, 50 yeah. minutes into this thing, I yeah. don't know why they went in that direction. Cody is an interesting character in terms of Australia. They don't, didn't use an Aboriginal uh, child, which I think that their original idea was, and I think that would have made the movie a lot better, um, more of a cultural aspect. Um, Especially considering it's set in the yes, outback. Yes, yes. Percival yeah. C. McLeach is, is the villain of this. I think that he's a very one-dimensional villain. I do like the the other animals like the koala and etc in this movie i think they're good additions and um jake's just there as a foil to to you know bernard obviously and yeah. his heroic journey but overall i mean it's it's one that that i think the second half is a lot better than the first half when they actually get into the action it just takes so long to get there and i know that this is a different story for um bianca and bernard and you know they're what do they call them? Their society that yeah. they their their mission um, is out here from the the rescue aid society. But overall, I feel like I've got a soft spot for it because it's based in Australia. But overall, it's vastly inferior mm-hmm. to the first movie. I think the first movie is a lot better and a lot more iconic than this yeah. movie. And it's interesting when you go online because you see a lot of people say that the sequel is better than the first movie, yeah. and I I can't disagree more. My brother. Uh, watch these Disney movies as well with me, and he actually agreed. And we had a conversation after. We were like, I can't believe more po- people like the sequel. And we're both from Australia, but I think the first movie is way better than this film. Yeah, so, um, but overall, I really liked that. As I said, the dynamic between Bernard and Miss Bianca really good, and Bernard trying to get the courage to propose. Yeah. I really like all that, and I just wish that we had more of that in the movie because they seem to get off focus a lot and the main plot doesn't really kick into gear until like the last 20 minutes of this thing. So, um, yeah, I just figured they had a bigger focus um, on on those two characters and obviously they'll try to, you know, give the Outback of Australia a lot more. They'll try to, you know, fill it up, but I don't, I don't know if it necessarily works for me. And John Candy um, was good as Wilbur, yeah. but, but again, uh, the original <clears throat> actor passing away after the first film came out, um, Jim Jordan, I, I feel like Orville got a lot more than Wilbur, so I'm more of an Orville person, to be honest with you. So Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I really like the yeah. franchise in general, the rest yeah. of us, and I would have liked to see it continue after this movie. Yeah, so. yeah me too, actually. I've, I, I think even now they could still revisit it, like, even if it's not this, like, obviously not the same characters, but, I mean, they've built up this, like, whole society of... Like, and that would be kind of really cool to, to revisit in, Absolutely. in another movie. I'd love that. All right. Well, that was your 40 to 36. So yep. your first five are done. Moving on to my 40 now. And my number 40 is one that was on your last list at number 44. And that is The Great Mouse Detective. Uh, for me... We pretty much all know the, you know, even if you don't know the specifics, we all know this kind of story of Sherlock Holmes, the detective yeah. that solves um, crimes in England. Um, 
you know, in the early 20th century, I believe, or the late 19th century. Um, but this one, obviously, is an animated adaptation of it um, with Basil as the main star. Um, it's based on the book series Basil of Baker Street, um, where he basically is Sherlock Holmes solving the solving crimes. And uh, it's one of those, another one of these movies in the 80s for Disney's that was released in that weird period where they were trying to figure out their identity after their early success and they hadn't quite got there yet. But uh, overall, again, this is another one for me that's light entertainment. It's a little bit darker yeah. than the other films. I really like uh, Radican as the villain, as the villain, and I like the um, the chemistry between Basil, um, David Dawson, and uh, Olivia, the little girl, yeah. um, and her storyline trying to get her dad that gets kidnapped by fidgets. So I think the cast is really good at this. I like Radigan's song that he has. His villain song's really good. Um, overall, I'm a fan of this movie. I just don't think it's it's up there with the classics of Disney's, but it's a really entertaining watch. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I grew up, again, watching this a lot because my dad was obsessed with Sherlock Holmes, so and this was kind of like my first... Another one I hadn't seen. I, yeah. I just think for me it was the dark ages of Disney. I didn't really see these less successful films. It was yeah. the classics, and then it was more the... The films much older in the nineties and yeah. stuff. So, but I don't yes. know. Yeah, like I just I watched this so much as as a kid. Um, but yeah, I think like having Vincent Price as the voice of Radigan, like he is just such a he has just such a classic voice, and he's I think like that's just the perfect perfect role for him, and just like it just kind of added something a bit more creepier to the whole, like, movie, I think. And, like, because Radigan, as a kid, he terrified me. Yes. Like, absolutely terrified me. Even Fidget, even though he's more of a comedian, comedic yeah. character as it goes on, I can imagine could be some pretty scary to some of those kids, especially yeah. at the start of the movie when he's, you know, when he kids and the father. Yeah. It's a pretty dark scene for Disney. Yeah, very dark. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of makes me just think what they were going through at <laughs> in the 80s like were they wanting to go a more darker route and then change their mind or something I don't know like it's just so weird that they went for all these dark movies and then the animation in this one's really good in my opinion it's kind of like a, a painting like an old school yeah. painting the style and I really the, the um Big Ben scene and that, that whole animation sequence yeah. is fantastic um, in the third act of this film so that, yeah that is really good yeah. and I kind of like when they're in like the, the toy shop yes. part as well I thought that was really well done as well um, but I mean, it's just again another story that's kind of been done to death. Yes, and absolutely. Not very original, which is seems to be the case for a lot of their movies. And yes, and I, as I said, I feel like well. the, the characters are really good, but there's not much depth there. It's more yeah. just let's solve the crime. Yeah. Um, and work together, to do it, and again, it works. It's it's a good movie. I'd easily watch it again, but it's not in classic Disney territory for me. Yeah. So, um, that was no number forty, The Great Mouse Detective. My thirty nine was one that we already discussed, and that was. Lady and the Tramp, and uh, so my 38 now is the 1951 film Alice in Wonderland. That's in my list at 34. We're going really well together today, oh, Nolita. It's are. very surprising to me um, <laughs> how good we're going. Um, but yeah, for me, this was um, another one. Obviously, it's a Disney classic um, to the point where they've made two live-action movies that mm. you're a perception on can be mixed depending <laughs> on how you feel about them. I'm not a fan of them, but no. this animated one, uh, obviously based on the Alice books by Lewis Carroll, they're some of the most famous novels of all time. You guys should have heard of those. It's the first team, uh, Disney animated feature. Um, and uh, Catherine Beaumont 
plays Alice. I don't think she did very much else after this, to be honest with you. Um, I might be wrong with that one. Um, and basically, she goes through the world of Wonderland. It's basically an acid trip, the whole movie, let's be honest here. That's basically what Alice in Wonderland is. She, she sees a bunch of weird creatures. I don't know if she's high. I don't know what's going on in this movie. But, it um, could be a dream. It's a dream sequence, <laughs> but let's be honest, it's 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 crazy. Um she meets a bunch of these characters. There's not really too much of a major overarching plot. It's kind of her going through Wonderland. I think in later works and in the books, they go a bit more with the Queen of Hearts is kind of yeah. dictating everything and trying to make these characters mad and you know unhappy and stuff in the world. But they don't really do much of that in this animated movie. And I think Queen of Hearts not even in the movie until the last 20 no, minutes. I'm but it's yeah. basically her going around meeting a bunch of these characters and then having the the final confrontation with the Queen of Heart, uh, the Queen of Hearts. So um, overall, I mean, there's some iconic characters in this novel. Letter. I'm going to try to get my uh, impression of the Mad Hatter right one day. I love it. He's just so crazy. It's fantastic. Um, you've got the caterpillar in this thing. Um, so many iconic characters. Obviously, the um, the cards, um, uh, the card guards are uh, obviously. Um, Iconic, the white rabbit's a big part of the, the mythology. Um, but for me, this is one that is very inconsistent to watch. I'm watching it. There's just random scenes put together. I'm like, where are we going with this? I'm just watching her meet a bunch of characters. Yeah. It doesn't really hold up in 2021 standards. I know that it's a classic, but Alice in Wonderland, personally for me, is not something that I was ever really drawn to the world. So I understand a lot of more people love the mythology and, and love the universe. Um, but for me, it never really connected with me. And I enjoy the film. I enjoy a lot of these characters, but overall it's... It's a bit of a middle class, middle of the road Disney movie for me. Yeah. See, I am one of those people who that absolutely love the story of Alice in Wonderland. I've even played Alice before in a in a theater like theater piece, um, and so I have this massive like I don't know this soft spot for Alice. And um, but doing I think kind of doing that play made me like it ruined the movie for me because there was so much more in depth parts in that and I personally haven't ever read the book um only because I've watched the movie too many times and I think there's several never really interested me because I'm like I already know this story um but yeah so re-watching the movie it's just I agree it's a it's a mess like it there really is like just all of a sudden you're in one you're in one scene and then it just all of a sudden changes to another and you don't really get time to kind of think about what had just happened you, before you're thrown into the next one, I feel like. Like, it just all happens really quickly. And that's why and, I think you get the... That's why I think it's become more of a, you know, people that, that love yeah. it because it's so out there and so crazy, yeah. but it doesn't really give you time to settle and, no, and know the characters very well. So. I mean, only if you... I feel like you kind of only really know the characters if you've watched it multiple times, yes. which I did as a kid. Yeah. But, um... But yeah, like there are iconic characters now, and but ugh, I just cannot get over that oyster scene at the start. It just devastates me. <laughs> <laughs> like, those poor oysters, like that's that to me. And I don't, I don't even know if that where that sort of scene comes from. I don't think that's from the books. I think they changed a bit. Yeah, I like, like the painting the roses red part yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I love painting yeah. the roses red. I think that's great. It's one of the best parts of the movie. And I love like the the change places, like the Mad Hatter. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Like I love it. That's love the way he talks. I just think it's yeah. fantastic. And it's just one of like that is iconic, and it's it's worth kind of watching 
that like the movie for those parts. But yeah. well, while I think the movie's not great, I think one thing we both should mention is that the animation's fantastic in yeah. this movie, and the the way that the characters are designed are fantastic. That every pretty much every adaption you saw after this on film, and I I don't know if you remember like the nineties or eighties TV live action version. I remember watching that as a kid. There's like a te- a TV movie that was actually really good. I think I actually enjoyed that movie more than oh, this. Oh, I think um, so. she had like bef- dark brown. Yeah, hair. yeah. Before yes. the before yeah. the newer. Uh, Disney live action adaptions yeah. which I really enjoyed as well but um, well not the live action ones I didn't enjoy those but anyway um, back to my point as I, was, as, as I was getting to before I got completely sidetracked those character designs when you see an uh, adaptation of Alice in Wonderland now they use the designs from this movie because yeah, they're, they they're do. done so well whether it's the Chessie Cat Mad Hatter the Caterpillar the Queen of Hearts their designs are so great I just wish the movie was better yeah oh yeah I agree that's Something, yeah. I think that's why it's kind of so far down in the list as well. Yes. All right, well, that was my 38. It was Alice in Wonderland. Moving on to my 37 now, and it's the 2011 adaptation of Winnie the Pooh. Okay. Yes. Um, where did I have it? On, your, on this part of your list? Yes, but a lot further down. Okay, where you got it? <laughs> Number 23. Oh, yeah. Big. That's our biggest difference of the day so yeah. far, definitely. Um, obviously, you had the 1977, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh in your first list yeah. at number 42. I still haven't had mine yet, so we'll get to that a little bit later. But the 2011 um, version of the movie basically kind of follows the same kind of path as that 1977 adaptation. Um, it's a it's only a 70-minute long story, and it's... It's one of these movies. I love Winnie the Pooh, and I love the story. I love all the different stories. I personally have a huge connection to the nineteen nineties animated TV show, um, and those voices to me are the voices of Winnie the Pooh. So that's just me and my childhood. So that's just a personal taste for me. Both of these movies don't really have many of those voices. The same. I think a couple of them are, but I think that the twenty eleven has a few differences. Um, so overall, that was a little off-putting watching both of these movies. Um, but overall, like I know Jim Cummings, I know Winnie the Pooh's the same, for example. Yeah. But some of those supporting ones aren't aren't the same. Um, and overall, I think this is light entertainment. It's one of these ones where they go. I like some of the stories. I like the Baxons, um, where where Christopher Robin says "Be back soon," and they think it's a big villain called the Baxons. And I think that's a really entertaining part of this movie. But overall, I and obviously you're going to disagree, so we'll get your opinions in a moment. But I think the 1977 adaptation is a lot better, um, and I know that that's a lot more of an anthology kind of story where they go through a bunch of different stories in that movie. Um, but I just think that they're it's more iconic. I think the characters' voices are a bit better in that movie as well. Um, and I really hate the theme song by Zoe Deschanel. Don't get me wrong, I like Zoe Deschanel, but she butchered the Winnie the Pooh theme song in this movie. I, I just had to say that right straight from the get go because. I, I hated it, uh, but I uh, hated that that song, um, her performance of that song. So um, overall, the, when I listen to people like Rabbit and and uh, Rue and Owl, they're not the voices that I imagine in my head. And I, I think that the the hand, more hand-drawn approach in 1977 works a lot more for me when I think of the classic Winnie the Pooh stories. So um, for me, this is... This is fine. It's it's an easy watch. It's an easy viewing, but it's not classic Winnie the Pooh for me. Yeah. See, I disagree. I actually find this to be more like the classic Winnie the Pooh for me. Like, 
I kind of watching it. It kind of felt more like the TV show for me. So I okay, had the really, opposite okay. feeling. Fair enough. Um, whereas yeah, like the the original one, the Many Adventures or whatever it is, which we'll get to more yeah, so which in a we'll bit. Get but to, yeah, which, yeah, I have. say we're gonna yeah, say the yeah. Opposite um, feeling to that. Like I felt like that just didn't work for me. I didn't like the whole anthology, like the separate stories. I really enjoyed that this one kind of all. Um, like all worked into one big movie they kind of moved on and the Baxons part that I, I like the song too I it's absolutely good. loved that I thought that like that kind of carried the whole movie for me I just thought that was absolutely incredible and it was such a, a like uh, that that to me is like iconic Winnie the Pooh that sort of stuff where they they mistake something that Christopher Robin has done and and um get confused and and go on these crazy adventures like that to me and just and like I really I kind of felt like all the voices actually worked for this one as well like um like obviously you've got Jim Cummings as well as um Winnie the Pooh um I really enjoyed John Cleese as the narrator I thought he was really good um the voice of Eeyore I'm not even sure if that was the same guy but I thought that sounded really good um yeah, I just, I really, really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed the songs. Okay, Even yeah. the theme song I really loved. So I feel like, yeah, we just had very different opinions about this movie. This was one that I, I think we both saw for the first time yeah, when we watched it, yeah. when we made this list and watched these movies. I just think that they played it very safe. That's one thing I'll say to this. I don't think they took many chances in these characters. And I feel like to evolve Winnie the Pooh in, in 2021, obviously 77, <laughs> they were just kind of introducing them. But I feel like... Why it's good and suitable for kids, and it's an enjoyable movie. I feel like it's a very predictable watch, especially if you've seen Winnie the Pooh stuff yeah, before, but which I is always like, Winnie the Pooh, I guess. So I feel like it kind of works because it's kind of introducing a whole new era of kids to Winnie yeah. the Pooh, and so it kind of I kind of liked that they did kind of the same stuff, yeah, like the same true, stories. True, true. So. I I think I'm just coming at it a different perspective yeah. than you, but yeah. Uh, overall, uh, Winnie the Pooh, I think it's a it's a fine. Um, decent part of the canon so it's 37 for me moving on to my 36 and that is The Rescuers Down Under which we both already discussed so that is part one that's 40 or 36 for both of us alright moving on to your 35 no letter so my number 35 is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs that is on this portion of the list but a lot higher it's my number 24 yeah yes <laughs> you seem bothered by that. Um, oh no, I'm not. I knew like this one was going to be a bit controversial, being a bit lower. But um, so I mean, every everyone knows the storyline of Snow White, the Seven Dwarfs, and obviously it's the movie that kind of kickstarted Disney's movie career. Really, um, I just pers- like while there's like iconic characters and and everyone kind of loves it I don't know it to me it just kind of falls a bit short to what modern more modern Disney princess movies are um I just don't I personally don't like the way that they've done Snow White herself um I kind of I think the only parts that I really the only characters I really enjoy in this are the dwarfs but um, I really like just love them I think they're really good but um yeah just I don't know the songs are just not that great um the storyline is being done 
to death now and I just rewatching it I was just kind of a bit I don't know kind didn't of, love it. yeah it just didn't really hold my attention as much as what it used to when I was a kid all right well I I disagree a little bit <laughs> I so I've heard this argument before I've had this argument with my siblings before about Snow White I think it's a classic I don't know see it's it's interesting when you go back and watch this movie because for me, I'm looking at it at a 2021 lens, yeah. but I'm also looking at it as a classic film. And I feel like th- this movie kickstarted everything, obviously, for yeah. Disney. It was a huge success. It spawned so much. D- the plot isn't necessarily there in terms of, you know, the the Evil Queen's prevalent at the start of the movie, but she doesn't actually take action until near the end, until they find Snow White, etc. Um, after the whole hunt and ordeal. And... For me, I, I just think that Snow White, Snow White is done well and she, she is one of these classical timeless characters for me. So, um, you know, it might not hold up necessarily in 2021, but she's she's a timeless character. Oh, and, yeah. and I enjoy the dwarfs. I enjoy their dynamic with Snow White. The dwarfs fantastic. Hi-ho is a great song. I like each of their different personality quirks. I like the, uh, the weird uh, bath song. Ooh, that thing that they do. <laughs> anyway... Uh, <laughs> So, you know, like overall, I had a really good time. Uh, it's another one, one of these ones that, that are light in tone, but it sets the tone for 100 years to come. And back in 1937, this wasn't even thought as, as possible, this movie. And yeah, I know. To get the fully realised, the evil Queen's iconic, Snow White's an iconic character. I think they've stood the test of time. I don't think, even though it came out in 1937, you go, you got a little bit bored watching it. I can understand that point of view, but when you look at stuff like the Aristocats or um, Lady and the Tramp, for example, I don't think it's controversial in the sense that their their themes are really wrong. I think this has got all the themes of a classic Disney princess movie. They obviously build on this for, for many years to come. And why, why Snow White? Is she the most fleshed out character in the world? No. Is she made fun of in modern day with her weird, like, Singing, singing, rap, rap, rap breaks the internet. Yes, yes, she is. But overall, she's a really solid character. <laughs> and I think that she stood the test of time. All that. Anyway. Oh gosh, that was amazing. It was worth. That was this whole thing has just been worth it just for that. Um. Look, <laughs> I personally disagree, and I'm glad that she gets made out, made fun of for that singing because I, I, I know, I can't, I know that she, that was big at the time, big in the 1930s, but yeah, for me, it's just, I really don't think it stands. Like her as a character does not stand the test of time, as, as like. Just her as a character, I think. Like, there's just... Uh, Disney princesses have just been done, like, a whole ton better now, I think. I still think it's the best adaption of the story as well. I think it's better than Mirror Mirror. I think oh, it's yeah, better than is, The be Huntsman or whatever, Snow yeah. White, the, whatever, that chick from Twilight's movie, Christian Stewart. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, I do agree with that. It is probably the best adaptation Why didn't we get it? some dwarf spin-offs from this thing? I know. Like, they had 100 years to do it, they haven't done it. That would be good, actually. It would be. Like an origin story Thank of you. how they all came to live in that cottage Making together. Making CEO of Disney. All right. That was your 35. <laughs> that was an entertaining one. All right. Move it on. Okay. Um, obviously, my 34 was Alice in Wonderland. Um, my 33 
might be another kind of slightly controversial. Actually, there might be a few slightly controversial oh, ones. Oh, look at this. It's coming. Um, Peter Pan is my number 33. That is not on this part of the mm. list for me. So it's yep. in my top 20. I'm sorry, Nolita. We disagree on that one. Yeah, we do. Had a feeling. Maybe even on the next one too. Okay, so my 32 is Dumbo. That is also not <laughs> on the part of the list <laughs> I knew at it all. Be. Also in my top 20. So mm-hmm. God, I'm not I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Alright, continue. <laughs> okay, my 31 is Dinosaur. That's my 30. Hey, look at that. that. We got one in there. When, when our opinions are similar, they're really similar, <laughs> but then we just get some yeah, completely some really different, different ones. But yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it. <laughs> Can we go back to you singing? <laughs> no, I'm not even going to try to do it again. It wasn't me singing, it was me just doing her voice, mate, her, or her singing. Her voice. opera. Yes. Operatic. I'm very talented. All right, mm-hmm. let's get into Dinosaur. Okay. Um, Dinosaur. So this movie came out in 2000. Was it? Yes. Yep. Definitely was. Um, one of Disney's first sort of like free into the whole kind of computer animated sort of stuff. But it, I feel like I don't know if this is true, but it looks like they kind of use some real footage in they it did. too. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I thought so. Definitely the most out there out of all the fifty nine yeah. animated movies in yeah. terms of animation, and uh, mm. it definitely brought in a mix of CGI animation, real life you know, yeah. scenes as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, watching this in 4K was absolutely incredible experience. And I say it scared the crap out of my cat at one point when the pterodactyl comes down the, at the start with the egg comes down the waterfall. She was sitting there next to me and it scared her and she had to run out of the room. <laughs> like, so it, it looked real. Like, the, like kudos to their animation. But um, so I guess this is... Based around um, a dinosaur, Aladar, yep. who um, gets his egg gets sort of taken across, across like the world to this little island where he's living with a family of like monkey things. What are they? Yeah, played by Afri Woodhart. She's fantastic in this role. Pilo to a, a lima. 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 That's what yes. they are. Um, so he gets brought up living with these lemurs is the only dinosaur living there and um then the meteors start crashing and they're trying to find a safe haven basically the the movie sort of goes on from there then um i mean overall i really love this i think it's a really nice little storyline um, I like that he honestly thinks he's the only one that looks like himself until he goes and, and meets all these other dinosaurs and finally realises that there's others that are like him. Um, I just, I think like Aladar himself and um, the lemurs are all really great. I think where it kind of falls down is the bad guy-ish. Not like, not the ones that kind of eat them but um Cron. what's his name Cron, yes that's it i think he kind of falls down a bit and in terms of like where the characters are i feel um, like we have a little bit different opinions oh really yeah. yeah see i'm just i wasn't a massive fan of him and probably um the girl one whatever Nira. her name is Nira. yeah i feel like she's kind of a bit forgettable as well but aladar and the lemurs are really great i really enjoyed them 
So overall, I so this is one of these movies that I loved as a kid growing up. I, you know, we, we all go through. Well, a lot of us go through uh, when we're growing up. You know, obsession with dinosaurs and their, their how cool they are as creatures. Um, so I watched this a lot on repeat when I was a kid. But it was a movie when I watched when I made this when we watched all these movies. I hadn't watched it for at least fifteen years. So yeah. it was interesting to go back and and watch it. And the animation, as you mentioned, was a lot different to what I expected. Fantastic, I think it holds up and everything they were trying. Um, really has stood the test of time, and it's it was pretty much good foresight for them. Like it's became, it's it's something that was ahead of its time when yeah, they when they did it. Um, the story, I really think the the lemurs are fantastic. I said Afri Woodhart's fantastic. This is one of Hayden Panettiere's first roles. Um, she, obviously, she goes on to star in Heroes and a bunch of other stuff. Um, becomes a very good actress. Um, around this time, I think she was in Remember the Titans as well. But I really like their storyline. Aladar. Um, trying to get the safety with his family and the, the older dinosaurs. I thought that dynamic was really yeah, good, how he's trying to help him get the safety. I like the chemistry between him and Nira. Um, I think Kron is a complicated character. I didn't like him at first, but I like that he has moments where he tries to redeem himself. And I actually like where his story progresses too. Mm-hmm. But I, I really, what got me, I, I didn't really care for the, the other monsters, trying to, dinosaurs trying to eat them. Obviously, that's a part of, you know, yeah, that you've got yeah. the, the dinosaurs that obviously eat you know, other dinosaurs yeah. um, that are meat eaters. But overall, I feel like the journey was really good. It really engaged me. Um, and the, I think that the pinnacle, well, the story isn't as good as it could be, but I think the pinnacle for this movie is the animation. And, um, yeah. and I, I really think it holds up. I think it's a very solid entry. It's definitely one of the most underrated and underappreciated movies in the Disney canon, in my opinion. And it's one that's often overlooked, but it is such a, uh, a groundbreaking achievement in terms of animation. And it's some of the best animation they've ever done. And I include all the movies that came out since this. It's it's really groundbreaking. And I really enjoyed this experience watching it. I'd definitely watch this movie again. But yeah, obviously, the story's not as strong as the animation but i still like the story yeah so. i really like, i really enjoy it but yeah it just it falls that little bit short in terms of story but yeah the animate like i i remember going to watch this in the movies and just being blown away by it i really like one of i can't remember his name but one of cron's kind of sidekick guys that he helps as well and he sacrifices himself i think that's a really good mm-hmm. moment in this moment in this movie so there's just really good small like emotional moments in this thing but i feel like yeah, the overall story, you can poke some holes in it, but yeah. um, overall, it's a, it's a really enjoyable experience. All right. Well, that was your 35 to 31. So moving on to my 35 now, and my 35 is 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> not, in, not in this not part. Not in this part? No. Right. No worries. That's understandable. It's a classic. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. My number 34 is Pinocchio, which was on your first part at yep. number 46. So a bit of a difference there for both of us. Um for me, this was a very interesting experience because I'd I'd know the story of Pinocchio quite well, but I'd never seen the full movie. I'd seen him transform into a donkey and stuff before, and that whole portion of the movie, but I'd never seen the whole movie until I watched it uh, while we while we oh, watched really? all these movies. Um, and it was a very interesting experience to say the least. Mm. It's a classic, um, and it's definitely one that's remembered uh, fondly uh, for sure. Um, it's obviously Pinocchio becomes a real boy. He's a, um, you, you probably know the story. He's a, you know, he's a, a wooden figure, doll, whatever you want to call him. Puppet. A puppet. That's what I'm looking for. That's the word. Thank you, Jiminy Crickets. He's conscious. The, the blue fairy um, yeah. brings him to life and Geppetto gets it to son and it shows you the naivety. Naivety, is that a word? 
I don't know, but yeah. he's naive. <laughs> um, and it shows you uh, all his adventures in trying to, you know, become a permanent rural boy. And uh, this movie was a lot darker than I, than I thought it'd be in Oledo when I watched it. Um, you've I got agree. Some people that really want to take advantage of Pinocchio throughout the story, and it's really dark and not really for kids. So mm. when I watched this, I was kind of really off put and I didn't enjoy it. But then. After watching it, uh, my perception changed over the next week or two, and I started to appreciate the little subtleties that this movie's got. Um, Honest John, terrible person. Um, Stromboli, terrible person. (laughs) Kidnaps children, Mm. makes them turn into donkeys and Mm -hmm. uses them as slaves. Um, This is some of the darkest we've ever had, without a doubt, um, in terms of Disney. Um, But overall, there's definitely a charming part with Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket, I think their combination is really good and they're classic and iconic characters. Um, Geppetto, not fantastic as a character, I don't think. He's not very fleshed out. He's just an old man, basically, that uh, does not watch his child. And he, he's like, Pinocchio's gone missing. Oh, I better go down to this lake because he might have drowned. Okay, I don't know how you got there. But anyway, uh, just jump to conclusions. Just think your child's dead. Anyway, uh, so that was weird. Uh, but overall... I feel like, yeah, there's a timelessness to this movie that is really, the animation's really good and it just, it harkens harkens back to classic Disney and makes me feel good when I watch it, even though it's really dark and a little bit disturbing, but I think that's part of its charm, so. But don't watch it if you're under the age of 25. Um, so anyway, it's a freak out. So anyway, Nolan, what do you think of the movie? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I watched this quite a bit when I was a kid. I, I actually, like, um... Where did I even have this? Now I don't remember. 46. Um, I don't... Like, there's certain parts of this where I really remember and then, like, before I rewatched it. Um, but then there's other parts where I just did not... Your childhood party yeah, like blocked it out just, because it was yeah, too I disturbing like it for you. must have yeah. because, I, like, watching it back, I was like, oh, my God, how did I watch this as a kid? That transformation <laughs> into a donkey scene. Oh, jeez. Oh, that's that like, yeah, like... Like, I really remember the scene when they're in the whale. Like, that to me is just... The movie. Yeah. Uh, Monstro. Yes. Yeah, like, so that's... I really remember that. I remember the Blue Fairy. I remember Jiminy Cricket. remember when he's, like, being used as the sort of puppet in, in the show. And, and obviously, yeah, like, I have no strange song. Like, yeah, yeah, some great like songs. What, when yeah, You Wish One of the Stars yeah. is iconic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I did not actually enjoy how dark it was. I really didn't like the donkey part. Like <laughs> that to me, that just—it really disturbed me. Couldn't and sleep I'm for days. Like, I'm like, no wonder I sort of blocked that out in my mind when I was a kid. Sometimes kids needs a kids need a you know a, a reality oh check, all right? And everything's not everything's not all, all pretty, yeah. you know. There's some darkness. And I mean, Pinocchio wasn't really a good kid either. Like he's a bit of a dick, but really that, that adds to the charm. <laughs> and yeah, like for me. oh, that does not add to the charm for me. That just I was just like, why did we like this kid? <laughs> like, honestly, I don't want. I don't really. I didn't care about him becoming a boy anymore. I was just like, you know what? He deserves this. He's not good. He was supposed to go to school and decides to go down He's the wrong path. He's just naive. He's got and, that oh, no. naivety. I'm still trying to figure out the word. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so I feel like it's kind of, it 
it would have been used as one of those movies back in the day when kids are doing the wrong thing and parents are like, okay, if you're going to do this, you're going to turn into a donkey like you're Pinocchio. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, I feel like that's literally what they would have done back in 1940. They would be like, yep. You're going to be a dick. This is it. You're not sleeping for five days. We'll put <laughs> yeah. it on Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I just feel like it kind of falls a bit short on, on like the messages that Disney now portrays. Like... Yeah, okay. <laughs> Trivia question for you, because you won't get it, um, because we're doing this live on the podcast. No cheating right now. Well, I already looked it up. Uh, did you? You're going to ask what? me what the cat's name is. And the fish. Oh, I don't know. Oh, what do you got here? Give it to What's the cat's name? Figaro. Yeah, and the fish. I can't remember. Yeah, no. Cleo. Cleo is the fish. Oh, right. Disney it. trivia for yeah. you. All right. Disney trivia. That was my number 34. My 33 was Robin Hood, which we already discussed. My 32 might not be in your portion of this list. Uh, it's Frozen 2. Oh, yeah, it's just in. What is it, 21? At number 21. Oh, look at that. All right, well, I watched this movie for the second time in my life last night, and after the success of Frozen 1, which is a movie I love and a movie we'll get to, I was very excited, my first uh, experience in this movie, going into it, and um, to be honest, I was really let down. Um, I think that it is a movie, and my feeling is I actually liked it a lot more the second time around. It's about a middle-of-the-road Disney movie for me now. I thought it might have been lower going into that second watch, but... Um, basically this movie is the sequel to the first film which we'll get into um, and it's got all the classic characters back Elsa, Anna, Kristoff, Olaf, Sven who's everybody's favourite the, the big summer blowout guy there's plenty of characters in this thing um, <laughs> there's like one line but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically uh, Arendelle comes into danger um, Elsa starts hearing a weird voice they go investigate and we get into this big mythology about her parents and their past and where they come from. And um, it basically becomes a battle between these two kind of nations, um, so to speak. And um, it's an it's a very interesting place for the sequel to go, in my opinion. Um, the, the things that I'll say that I really enjoy about this movie is that the characters are back and uh, I think they still have the charm that they had in the first movie. I, Elsa gets a lot of character development at this point. In fact, in my opinion, a bit too much in terms of it's kind of sidelines a lot of the other characters. But she's really good. Anna and Kristoff's dynamic is still really good. Uh, Olaf's still naive um, in this one as well. Um, and he's trying to learn you know, more about life in a, a comedic way. Um, I really like the start of this movie. I like the the opening's really good. I love Some Things Never Change. I think that's a great song. Followed into Into the Unknown, which I've really grown to like a lot more than I did the first time. Um, obviously, I was expecting something or Let It Go, which will never happen again. It was such a huge phenomenon when it came out, that song. and it, Matty, Frozen 1 in general, the movie, made such a huge impact in the world. For me, it kind of loses focus when it gets to the other nations and what's happening and how water has memory and they can see the different memories. I'm not, I wasn't really in that and then uh, and then Elsa kind of goes on her own journey and in my opinion even though she's still in the movie Anna really gets sidelined in this movie a lot which I don't like um, and I feel like a lot of the mythology I know they had to add to the lore but I feel like we didn't need it and I feel like the different spirits like you got fire earth water wind and the fifth mysterious one um, I feel like all that stuff didn't really come to a satisfying conclusion to me where I felt it was necessary at all. I think this movie, I know that they're trying to obviously sell a bunch and the brand of Frozen's huge and I'm sure there'll be a Frozen 3, I reckon there'll be a trilogy to end it. Personally, I do. I don't know yeah. if you agree. But overall, I feel like 
I wasn't quite happy with, with all these plot points in this movie. I think the plot's the weakest part for me. I like the characters. I like some of the songs. I feel like they get weaker as the movie goes on. And I feel like Elsa really is the centerpiece which sidelines a lot of the other characters for me. So um, that's that's my feelings on Frozen 2. But again, it's a, it, last night was a lot more expe- a positive experience than the first time I saw it because I was after that magic of Frozen 1 the first time and I don't think we got that. So Yeah, See, I, I agree. There's definitely not the same magic as Frozen 1. Um, but And on my second viewing, I loved it. Uh, actually, I think it's probably my third viewing. Ah, yeah. um, I loved it so much more watching it again. Um I love that Kristoff had a lot more in this. Like he, like Jonathan Groff, kind of got his own song, which was a, like a proper song, not one where he's pretending to be Sven. I'll just counteract but, for a sec because I'll, yeah, I'll let you get into the movie in a minute. But I just feel I don't know if you agree, but I feel like because he got a sideline from the rest of the group when he sung that song, I just don't think he was her- as heroic as he is in the first movie. That's yeah, but I don't think he necessarily needed, needed to be. To be. Yeah, I think fair. it was more about. Anna and Elsa being the heroic ones. See, I think it was just more about Elsa, <laughs> which is why, why I had problems with it. But continue. Yeah. Um, but, but my problem with this is that I feel like it wasn't really the sequel that everyone wanted. I feel like more like everyone kind of wanted to learn more about where Kristoff came from. Like what happened, like where's well, who, like his family. Like I feel like that kind of would have been really cool to to explore and maybe that's something that they might do in the third one if they do a third one which I'm not 100% sure they will because at the end they kind of like Olaf kind of says like oh is this are we done for adventures or something like that and the and Elsa's like yep this is it this is our last one so whether those two just themselves are done and Anna and and Kristoff go off and do something I don't know that'd be interesting to see but um I disagree with the songs getting worse as they went along as well because I really love like the Lost Lost in the Woods song and I really love Show Yourself. I don't like Show Yourself. I, I think Anna's it. song's really bad too. And, no, and I really love I her do? song. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely love it. <laughs> like those hard. are like my three favourite songs okay. in the whole movie. I just think they're generic. So, yeah, so I, I guess, yeah. But um, something that's really cute with like the whole, like with Olaf being naive and stuff like that, obviously is learning to to grow in this and Josh Gad actually said that he based Olaf's personality sort of on his kids in this movie as well which I think is really cute um but I kind of disagree with Anna being sidelined in this like I feel like she goes through something pretty traumatic in this movie to be honest like she literally thinks that Elsa is dead and then goes and like tries to still go ahead and save Arendelle like I feel like that's something really like impressive kind of like I don't know like that whole scene where like Elsa yeah Elsa is frozen and Olaf like literally disappears and Anna has to deal with knowing both of those things and continue on and I think I think it's great character growth on her behalf. There's character growth there definitely I just feel like oh let's put it down a boat down a stream for 20 minutes it's just not Elsa was definitely the centerpiece of this. And sure, Anna gets a moment at the end. She she pretty much saves the day yeah. um, or helps save the day. And then, you know, Elsa comes with her, her water horse um, and, and, <laughs> and stops the stops the, stops the tidal wave. But, um, yeah, I just... I, I would have liked to see more. Yeah, um, well, one yeah. of the biggest... It was just not... Didn't live up to the potential that I thought it could have. One of the biggest letdowns for me was kind of they introduced, like, these Northaldron characters. Completely pointless. Then, they got nothing. They did... Nothing like 
I was like, well, why give them a name? Like, why introduce The Lady these? Marion, I don't know what her name yeah, was. She like, was completely pointless. Sterling K. Brown was just a little bit at the end. Yeah. And it was an interesting decision making her grandfather, their grandfather's evil. Evil, that was, yeah. yeah. I know, but that was, it didn't really lead to much. I know. Like, Again, like... Yeah, <laughs> like they kind of... You had all these moments and then they kind of stopped before you learnt more about them, I feel like. I don't know, like it kind of feels like they could maybe might do a TV show like Disney kind of is a bit obsessed with doing spin-off shows at the at the moment or like, like well they always have been they always have like their own sort of TV shows based around their movies but um so whether they're going to be going to explore Northolder maybe more in more detail in something like that I don't know like it just kind of feels like they've opened up this sort of door but haven't really given us any answers as well, to why. I feel why. like there should be a sequel. Because yeah. I feel like, I, I, I personally just feel that this plot was very convoluted in compared to the first one. I think the yeah. first one had a touch of magic and it was a little bit more simple, the first one, but mm. I feel like everything culminated into a in a more satisfying conclusion for me. Yeah. So, but anyway, that was our opinions for Frozen 2. Moving on to my 31. And this one is a movie that I loved the first time I watched it. Then I watched it for the second time on this list and... For, I went, it went from being a classic movie for me just to being an okay movie. It's good, but it's not remembered as much as I'd love it to be. Zootopia is my 31. Really? Yes. Okay, it's definitely not in my part of this. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about it when we get to it. But I loved it the first time. So yeah. I was a little bit I was disappointed at the second viewing. So we'll get to that. Wow, um, okay. And my number 30 was... Uh, oh, well, we're not up to 30, but I 30, no. my 30 was Dinosaur, which you mentioned as your 31. So anyway, but yeah, that's this second part of the list. All right, we're up to our 30 to 26 parts now. And Noletta, what is your number 30? Um, My number 30 is The Emperor's New Groove. Not on this portion mm, of my list. I didn't think it would be. Okay, moving on. <laughs> my number 29 is something that you had a lot higher. Um, or a lot lower, I should say. And that is The Aristocats. Okay, in your top half. Yeah. That's a hot take. All right. I love this movie. Um, so the Aristocats. Um, let me get up the details for it. So uh, it's based on a family of cats. Um, it was made in 1970. Uh, it is centers around Duchess and her little children. You've got Marie, Toulouse, and Berlioz. Um, or however you say it. So iconic. <laughs> Marie is an iconic. Marie and Duchess are and iconic. Um, and then you've got Thomas O'Malley, who's iconic as well. But anyway, so they inherit um, their owner's money. When, well, she get put into their into her will that they're going to get her money when she dies. And the butler is pretty annoyed about this. I mean. As you probably would be, to be honest. I've got feelings about it. Don't worry, we'll get to it. But I kind of love that she went there and decided to give her cats all her money. I mean, I would totally do that too. So um, anyway, so he, the butler kind of discards of the cats, trying to get rid of them, takes them away, thinking that they're going to sort of be killed, I guess. Another dark moment of Disney. Um, but instead, they fall off the, the motorbike and sort of find Thomas O'Malley, who um, then escorts them back home. And 
Like, this is a movie. This is actually probably the first Disney movie I ever remember watching. I went to the movies when it got re-released back, so you got a soft back spot in the for day. It. So I have a very big soft ah, spot well, for this movie. <laughs> I don't. Sorry. <laughs> Get savage soon. I continue. Um, I, I love the characters of Duchess and Marie and Thomas O'Malley. I think they're so cute. I kind of love... Um, Oh, what's the the old geese guy? Oh, what's his name? But anyway, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's once again, it does have um, some issues in terms of like, kind of like um, stereotypes again. <laughs> But <laughs> got the most blatant use of racism I've ever seen in a Disney movie, apart from Song of the Sea. But it's, mm. yeah, anyway, let's yeah. Continue. I feel like there's other movies that have some racist <sighs> undertones as well, so you can't just blame this one. Um, but yeah, I I still <laughs> really enjoy it, and I really enjoyed watching it again for the second for the, well not for the second time for rewatching it again for this list. I kind of still found myself really enjoying it so this movie was 52 for me i hate this film and i mean <laughs> I, there's not much positive i've got to say about it um for starters edgar the villain is a goofy over the top bad villain for no reason and let's be honest edgar's not even a villain edgar's the good guy in all this sure he might be trying to kill the cats but when you have some stupid old lady that's got dementia or something that's leaving her fortune to to some cats Mate, I, I think you got to, she's got no feel. Edgar's been looking after her for 20 years. And this lady's just like, ah, you don't get nothing. I'm going to leave my fortune to cats. Mate, cats, I don't, I don't know if she knows this. Cats can't take care of money. They're cats. They're yeah, not people, not letter. They talk. Oh, they probably can take they care of money in this. only to animals. Only animals can understand them. I'm sorry. But that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I know it's a Disney movie, but Edgar, mate, for me, I was behind him the whole movie. I'm like, go kill these cats. You deserve more than what you've been given. Oh anyway, <laughs> moving on to the cats themselves. You've got some of the worst characters in the Disney canon. Duchess is fine, right? Um, I don't have a problem with her, even though her accent's really weird, but, you know, it's fine. I mean, I, half the time I can't understand what she's saying, but that's, I need a subtitles. Even Gabor, that's literally how she speaks. That's... She's, she's better in The Rescuers. Anyway, let's, uh, <laughs> then we've got... Um, then, <laughs> I, just, I was like, why, why, are you, why are you putting... Anyway, she, it was, obviously it's her accent, but it just was a little bit off-putting. I was like, oh, I don't know. Honestly, I don't understand what you're saying. But anyway, let's get... I, I just didn't. I've got to be honest with you. This is this, you're getting honesty from me. I couldn't. But anyway, uh, we're going to the cats now, and the, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the children cats. And we've got some names I can't say, some irrelevant kids. You've got Marie, which is obviously the standout of the bunch. Um, you have some stupid song about scales and a breed. One of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, why are we, why are we doing this? Um, but anyway, we get to the main plot. They fall off. They're so they fall they fall off the wagon. Whatever happens, they start getting on the drink. It doesn't matter. But the, the point is, they get lost. They have to find their way back home. Edgar's trying to kill them, and they need Thomas O'Malley to come. Thomas O'Malley to come save them because they're completely useless. Can't do anything by themselves. Uh, you get some useless geese happening. Look. And Thomas O'Malley is basically just being blue. 
from the Jungle Book, but in cat okay. form, and it's nowhere near I'm as iconic. I'm going to stop you right there. Anyway, okay. They do not need Thomas O'Malley's help. He just decides to help uh, because uh, uh, he sure. is in love with Duchess. So Yeah, exactly, and because they're just completely yeah. useless without him. But he's kind of more useless because he gets himself sort of swept away and stuff. Like, sure, so they, don't, sure. they technically okay. don't okay. really need his help. Duchess is just sort of going, all right, you can help us. It's an ugly movie. It looks terrible. The animation's bad. It's one of the worst animation movies. It's gone through a rough time no. in the Disney history. This really didn't get me out of that hole is what I'm saying. I just hate this movie. The whole lot of the movie for me, without a shadow of a doubt, is everybody wants to be a cat. And then you've got the Asian the cat, Asian cat doing yeah, the Asian look, accent with the chopsticks. Look, that is and it just bad. ruins the song. That is bad. And that's I, the whole lot of the movie for me is the song. And I'm like, okay, I can't look at this part of the song. We're just going to skip over this. But saying that that's the only one of song. Disney that has that kind of... I didn't of... say the only one. I said it's the most blatant. You don't think it's I the most blatant? F- I feel like there's some other parts in Disney history that are, more are kind of worse. Like in okay. Peter Pan, for instance. Okay, yeah. Well, obviously that's a big part, a big thing. But, yeah. I mean, we're... Anyway, we'll get to the Peter Pan a little bit later. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this movie, I don't have much positive to say about it. I like everybody, likes, uh, everybody Wants to Be a Cat. It's a good song. But that's about it. And, okay. yeah. Well. Thomas... O'Mealy, we don't need Baloo, we've got Baloo at home and it's Thomas O'Mealy, just a weird cat. Anyway, alright, move it on. Uh, that was your 29. Okay, my 28 is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Not on this part of my list. Yeah, we have some very different opinions on these, which is interesting. That was another um, movie that I saw for the first time. Oh, really? During this list, yep. Oh, yeah, interesting. Um, okay, my 27 is Treasure Planet, which I'm pretty sure was on your... Number 44, yep. so a big a big gap there for us. Another one we'll, we'll surely argue about. Let's, let's, in, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Okay, Treasure Planet. So this obviously um, follows the storyline of Treasure Island, which um, is a pretty iconic story in yes, my opinion very famous um so you've got jim hawkins long john silver those sort of characters um which are iconic characters um this one's kind of set in space and it's like so it was made in 2002 one of those earlier disney post-renaissance films post rent yeah well, but they, then before they kind of yeah uh, it's like it's really experimenting it's, in this period yeah because like the i i Really love the animation in this. I thought it was absolutely incredible. Um, I agree. I, the animation's fantastic. It's yeah. a whole lot of film for me. But yeah. um, I really enjoyed the story. But I guess then, again, like it's kind of a story that's well known. And But um, yeah, so this one set out in space. Jim's like a sort of, I don't know, like they're on the, a planet. Obviously. A treasure planet. A treasure planet. They go to a treasure planet. Um, but anyway, so we've got some pretty incredible actors in this as well, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's playing Jim Hawkins. you got Emma Thompson as Captain Amelia. Um, David Hyde Pierce as the Doctor. Um, like, I feel like this is kind of one of those Disney movies that is very underrated, in my opinion. I feel like not enough people have watched it and that it would kind of work to like if like for them doing their whole like live action kind of things at the moment I feel like this is one of their movies that would work really well 
as like a live action adaptation as well. Hit the nail on the head. I'll get into that mm-hmm. shortly. But why do you like it? Let's. I want to hear your opinion first because you got a lot higher than me. So I want to hear what you got to say about it. Mostly, I enjoyed the storyline, um, which I mean, like it's a bit hard just because it is such a um, well, Iconic, uh, yeah, story. like a well-known storyline. Yep. Um, I really enjoyed the moments between Jim and Long John Silver. Yep. Like, I think Long John Silver as a character is just, he is just absolutely iconic. Like, the fact that he's so, he's kind of like an anti-hero um, because he's obviously doing terrible things, but he also kind of, he has like a heart of gold as well and and like just the way that um i know like jim kind of sees him as a father figure and he realizes this but like he kind of knows that he's got to break jim's heart and and then but like which he doesn't want to do and kind of feels very different about it but um yeah, like I just yeah, I feel like their their kind of like relationship for this is what this movie is for me, and I really liked um, how like the sci-fi elements of it as well. I thought that was really cool, like the way that they open up the map and everything. Like like I don't know, I just I just really loved the the animation and Jim and Long John Silver. So I I do like that chemistry as well, but I don't think it's fully earned. For me personally, I, I I understand where it's more of a, a father son, and it, as you said, he wants to break his heart. I just don't think the writing is really there. I didn't, so I feel like the movie's really trying, tries hard to get you have emotion connection and the connection between the two, but I don't think they fully get there. And I think part of that for me personally is I'm a big fan of Joseph Gordon-Levitt as an actor, um, but I don't, I think he's kind of phoning it in this movie. I don't think it's a very good acting, uh, voice acting performance. Maybe I just don't know if he suits voice acting, personally. Um, Brian Murray's really good as John Silver. The animation's fantastic, this thing. Emma Thompson, for me, is one of the highlights of the movie, is Captain Amelia. I think she's a really good character in general. But when the story kind of beats come into it, I, lo- I really like to start with, his, with, obviously, their father, his father being... Dead, I believe, yeah. and, and the mother's trying to look after him. He's always getting into trouble. Um, but then as the story progresses, I feel like we lose a little bit of side in the plot. It kind of gets a little bit convoluted. You see John Silver's, you know, his conflict inside of him and what decision to make. I don't think those other villains are necessarily very good. And when they get to the planet, they kind of sideline some characters like Amelia and um, the Professor. Um, so I think there's definitely a lot of tonal kind of issues and I think this movie is a little bit all over the place in terms of plot but I really like the animation but for me it's one of the lower Disney movies I uh, I understand that it's got a cult following since it's come out and you hit the nail on the head for me when you said that a live action adaption would be good I actually think a live action adaption of this by Disney with the same character models um, but in live action form would actually be better than what the animated movie was because I think I I, I personally feel like the animated movie had a lot of potential but for me it doesn't necessarily live up to where I wanted it to be so yeah yeah. I remember seeing it when I was a kid but I don't didn't remember anything (laughs) about it when I watched this movie so me going into it this time um, as an adult I didn't really know what to expect and I enjoyed it overall but I feel like there's a lot of issues for me so Mm. yeah i think probably because i did watch it originally at the movies and like i kind of have that little bit of a nostalgic feel towards it as well but yeah that was more of a civil a difference in agreement for us we didn't get into you know we didn't get into we weren't mad about it it was just a civil conversation i like that on on different (laughs) 
Okay, moving on to my next one. Um, I don't know if this will be in your list, but my number 26 is Wreck-It Ralph. It's my number 21. Ooh, so just on. Just. Yep. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so Wreck-It Ralph. Um, it is... When did they come out? 2012? Yes. It is, yep. Um, so basically, Ralph is the villain in his video game. And he's kind of a bit sick of being the, the being the bad guy. He wants to to be the good guy for once. So um, he tries to um, sort of get a go medal. yeah go into another game, get a medal. So he can be the um, hero. Yeah, so he can be the good guy. Um, I think the standouts for this are like Ralph and Penelope's characters, like, and the the voice actors as well are really well done. Um, I love the fact that Vanellope is seen as a glitch. I think that like that is just such a cool concept, and the way they they did it as well works really really well. And the fact that like by the end of it, she ends up using that to her advantage, I think, is really cool. Um, I like that it was very different for Disney to sort of go into like this whole video game world, and they kind of added in some like iconic characters and I think that's done that's done it's done really well in this and obviously they've tried to replicate that in Ralph Breaks the Internet with whole different iconic internet things and it just does not like it falls really flat compared yes. to Wreck It Ralph. But, um, and yeah, I don't know, like it's just a it's a fun movie to watch. I've obviously seen it a few times now and um I think it's probably going to be one of those movies that in years to come people will still kind of remember as a as a classic Disney movie like years down the track. Absolutely. Well, it's, it was a very different kind of take approach for yeah. the take at this time at this point in time in twenty twelve. It's a little bit out there for them in their work, and obviously I'm a big come from a big video game background. I love video games, so the cameos people like Sonic and um, and Bowser and stuff that are in this movie mm. um, and the Street Fighter characters um, really kind of drew me in to the concept to begin with, but uh, I think you, again, hit the nail on the head between Re- uh, Ralph and uh, Vanellope. Their chemistry is fantastic. I like the fact that it's the 30th anniversary of the game and Ralph obviously wants to be the hero for once. He's sick of getting thrown into the garbage by the heroes. Yeah. Um, I think Fix-It Felix is a fantastic character. I think um, him and, <laughs> him and uh, Captain, whatever her name is, um, I can't remember her name. Sergeant uh, Calhoun. Sergeant Calhoun is a really good back and forth chemistry. Um, the glitch... And all the video game references are really good, but I think it's just amazing how they've created this universe. Like Ralph goes, he's had a long day. He goes into uh, into Tabar, and he has yeah. a he has a beer, and it's got the animation sequence. I think that's fantastic. I think Alan Tudyk's really good as the mm. villain in this movie. Um, spoiler alert, I guess we're doing spoilers anyway, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> he's re- like we're past yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as the, as the sugar rush um, mayor, and he's the villain. But overall, I just think their chemistry is great. I I like the fit. Uh, the that how fix it feel like seen as a perfect kind of guy and he's trying to uh you're going to re-under ralph up and um he, he doesn't really see things from ralph's perspective but as the movie goes on they become good friends they have that back and forth as well so i think that's a really underrated part of this movie and i just love the cameos the references to video games and um i just think there's so many, many emotional parts with yeah. penelope when he breaks the breaks the cart that they created together um I just think that every time I watch this movie, I enjoy it a little bit more. It's almost in that top 20 tier for me. So you know that it, I'm, I'm a huge fan. It's 26 for you, so it's pretty high on yeah. yours. 
Um, I think it is a classic, and it's it's a very different type of Disney movie in the fact that you know they're referencing a bunch of video games and um, iconic video games, but making the story their own. And I think they went a little bit too much into the pop culture references in the second movie with the internet. Um, but I think that the character development's really here. They're really strong characters. Re- yeah. Ralph himself is is yeah. a really complex character, he is. Um, he's and it's really good. different to a lot of Disney movies we see and in his development. John C. Riley is just the perfect voice for him as well. Like. I just couldn't imagine anyone else being Ralph now. Like, I just feel yeah, like absolutely. he's just perfect. So, um, while you might have the Disney princesses and those cool moments in the sequel, the first one, the heart at, the, the heart is where it's at, like, it's where the heart's at. And it's it's obviously a lot more of a, um, a standout story for me, and it's a lot more complex in, in how they do it. So, um, the action scenes are great. The racing scenes are yeah. great. I love the arcade and how they represented, like, they're, they're doing the game without Ralph there is really cool in, in, in the Wreck-It Ralph game and the yeah. glitches that they see in Sugar Rush. Yeah. It's just a, a well-done story. Really, really enjoy it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, well, that was your uh, 32 to uh, 26. Um, my 30 was Dinosaur, which we already discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, my 29 is The Princess and the Frog. Um, on my list at 24. Didn't know if this was going to be on yours, but it's a little bit higher. Um, this was a movie I'd never seen yet again before I, before I watched this list. Um, it's pretty much the only one in the 2000s that I had not watched. Um, it's just one that I missed. Um, I think it came in in 2009, this one, and really um, was pretty much the start of the, of the second Disney uh, renaissance yeah. um, in terms of their movies really people credit it to Bolt, but I think this movie really yeah. lifted the standards for Disney and appreciate so and really pretty much put them into a new age. And um, it was very interesting watching this for the first time. I'd heard of Tiana and how strong the character was. I really enjoyed her and um, the she's some great work. I love the story about her wanting to open the restaurant. Um, there's that song New Orleans, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and I almost really think there. she's su- almost there, is it? Yeah, the yeah one where she's like, yeah, almost there. Yeah, yeah. This New Orleans is a song too, isn't it? I don't I know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, but um, but yeah, almost there is the one I was referring to. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's the start of this movie is told real, uh, told really well. I like the dynamic of her and her father. Obviously, he passed away. Oprah plays a good mother to her as well. Um, and the style was just fantastic of New Orleans and how the city's presented. Really, really good, really different for Disney at the time because they were going towards more computer-generated mm-hmm. uh, product and this was obviously a hand-drawn to, to, to great success, in my opinion. And um, I think that even though it's been 12 years since this movie came out, it's extremely underrated. I do have some problems with the villain of this um, in the voodoo, um, the shadow man, so to speak. I think that there's some problems how he's presented, I don't think he's the best villain. I would have liked to see a little bit more depth from Prince Naveen as well. I don't think he gets as much as, I know that he's going through, you know, how his fortune's been cut off and stuff as well, but I feel like we could have got a little bit more of his character. But the focus should have been on Tiana. It was mostly on Tiana. She's the first um, black princess we've got in in Disney, African-American. And my only problem with it is why the frog, when they turn into frogs, it's really good. And I like the supporting characters um, in terms of, you know, the um, Lewis and Ray in particular. Ray's a fantastic character. His sacrifice is great. And Lewis gets some really good moments to shine. I really like the story. I just feel like with this being the first uh, black princess that we got, maybe the focus should have been a little bit more on her as a human. I understand that the plot of Princess of the Frog is her to turn into frog. That's the whole plot of the movie. Um, but I would have liked to see a lot more focus on her life in general 
um, before she turned into a frog. So that's just my little criticism with it. Um, I, I'm sure, I think this is a movie for me because it's the first time I've seen it, that when I rewatch it in the future, it will get higher up on my list because I've only seen it once. So that's my opinion when it comes to Princess of the Frog. That's why it's my 29. Yeah, so um, I, I agree. Like, um, I feel like being the first black princess, it would have been nice if they focused more on her as a human as well. That's one criticism I also share. Um, like the songs that she like that almost well, their song is absolutely yep. incredible song. It's probably one of like it's up there in terms of one of my favorite ever Disney songs. I absolutely love it. I think it's got a great animation scene too. Yeah, I mean, it like, does. It's the hand drawn. Yeah, yep. uh, it's it's a great. It's great so oh, it's so good. Yep. And I'm a massive fan of New Orleans itself. Like I that is it's one of my favorite cities that I've ever been to. Um, I've been there twice now, and I would. I would go back there again. Like, they got I the style think, right in this yep, movie. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why I kind of I disagree slightly with the villain um, because voodoo, like when you go there, like it's such a massive part, and that's kind of what it all kind of looks like when you're there. Like you you go over there and you see like all like the shrunken heads, yeah, like and stuff yep. like that. Like it's all that's really understandable. With it's the all culture. really cool. Yeah. So um, and like the the skeleton and stuff like that, and and even like the um. The graveyard, like that, is there. Like the cemetery, that is a massive part in New Orleans as well. Like that's that's an actual like attraction people go to. They go to check out the cemetery because it has all this cool like voodoo stuff through there. But um, so I feel like they kind of got that right. The thing that kind of falls a little bit short for me is the other songs, and that's why it's not really in that top twenty position for me. Just because I feel like they're not as like memorable as almost there like but yeah like they so that's kind of what falls a little bit short for me but overall I think watching it again for the second time it is a really enjoyable movie and it is really underrated and 100% like, it's people, not talked about it yeah really no. isn't um and I, I feel like as I said my problems with the shadow man and the voodoo stuff um I, I think it's a really good concept I just don't know if it holds yeah. for the entire film and uh, obviously when they turn into the, the frog again my, my problem's more when they are the frogs to yeah. be honest with you and yeah, I feel like the same. You, you mentioned the yeah. songs getting weaker I feel like why Ray and Lewis are fantastic characters maybe we could have got them without them being frogs we could have done a different concept with this movie um, yeah. and um, you know I feel like the songs are obviously weaker in that like I don't really like Ray's song I like Love You Sacrifice but I don't really yeah. like that the that whole sequence I'm not a, yeah, yeah I'm not a big like, yeah, I agree. Like, the songs just aren't there. Like, the characters themselves are great. Yes, and his sacrifice is yeah, incredible. It's yeah. a great moment. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the songs just kind of fall a bit short, which is unfortunate because, like, the music in New Orleans is just so incredible and they could have done so much and they did with Almost There. Like, that is very stylized to, like, that sort of time, but then the rest... Just didn't really. And I also reach. like Tiana's uh, Tiana's uh, the, friendship, the friendship with the, the, yeah. the rich richer girl. Obviously, yeah. she's um, got her problems, but uh, it's a good back and forth and very different cultural backgrounds. But overall, yeah. even though she's not a perfect person, I feel like uh, she, uh, she. I like that character a little. Yeah, I like she gets her a bit as of well. yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. She gets a bit of a redemption because she's uh, the one that you would think would be, be the, the princess yeah, or, 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 the or the villain as well. Yeah, both. yeah, yeah. or the villain. So. But yeah, 29 was Princess and the Frog. All right, 28 for me, I've got Pocahontas. Mm, not in this section. 
No worries. Not a problem. I, I, it's a very, very good movie, so I understand it being high for you. Um, all these movies, pretty much from this point on, are what I consider pretty much to be classics, so got no problem with it being high. Um, 27 for me is Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Um, I have that at 25. Okay. I'm surprised it's so high on your list. It's higher than mine. I didn't expect that. Um, but yes, uh, Atlantis is... Uh, it's definitely a very experimental movie um, for sure at the time when Disney made this. I think, what was this, 2001? One. Yep. Um, and, you know, to go away from what worked in the Renaissance and not make it a musical, make it a much more of a story of no songs was a very big risk for him. Um, and obviously it's about um, Milo Thatch. His father had begun work to try to find the lost city of Atlantis, and he continues that. He tries to get it greenlit the project many times at his university. They all think he's a joke. Um, they manage. He manages. He meets somebody who manages to get the trip organised. And there's a group and a big cast of characters that go and try to find Atlantis. And I really think, um, and obviously with the possession of the, the the book, is what leads him there. And I think it's a, a very very underrated movie that Disney made. I think that. Um, Michael J. Fox is fantastic. I uh, never watched the sequel because the sequel was awful. I did. It, it's basically a backdoor pilot for a TV show that never got made and Michael J. Fox is not there. It just does not work. I think he, he, Milo's relationship with um, Keita is fantastic and I think, <laughs> think she's a very strong and underrated character. Like She's not included in the Disney princess line but I think she's as strong as, and yeah. if, not, if not stronger than some of those Disney princesses. Um, James Garner's a great villain in Rourke. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like um, the mythology and learning about Atlantis uh, from Disney's point of view and how they design it. I think that the, the animation and the style is, is great um, and very different for a Disney movie, especially at the time. Um, they're obviously, they're going through stuff like Leland Stitch, Brother Bear, Treasure Planet. So they're trying a bunch of different things at this period, Disney after their success of the Renaissance era. And I think that this was a really bold move for Disney at the time. And it's a shame that this movie was a, a financial failure. So yeah, I um, that's what I'll say. Um, this is another one that would work really well as a live action I think it'd be great. Well. Yeah, 100%. Like, it'd be amazing. The casting would have to be top notch. Yeah. Because I think yeah. that James Garner, Michael J. Fox yeah. are iconic in their roles like, in this movie. Milo, like Milo Thatch is just such a great character. I absolutely love him. I think... That for me, like that's a highlight for me of this movie. Him and and Keita, like they're just absolutely incredible characters. And yeah, I agree. Like this movie is just so underrated. And watching it again for this list, like it just reminded me just how much I really loved this movie. I like, I just I watched it all the time as a kid. Yeah. And, uh, again, yeah. it being one of those movies that I hadn't watched for over ten to mm. fifteen years, and. Going back was great. Um, you obviously understand a lot more about what they're trying yeah. to do as an adult uh, watching yeah. this thing yeah. in terms of the world of Atlantis and building it yeah. out. And I think Keita's sacrifice in this movie and her and her character development is mm-hmm. is, is top shelf. And I like the supporting cast as well. I can't remember their names, but you got the mechanic, you got Cook, you got yeah. a bunch of those those the, characters. The mole, the character. mole man, yeah, character. Um, he's really cool. Um, yeah, so it's 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 really really good. And Preston B Whitmore, and I, I like the. His character of Milo and, you know, him trying to live up to his father's name and, um, you know, trying to trying to prove his, his critics wrong. He's a he's a underdog character and I like to really root for Milo. I think he's a very yeah. in-depth character and there's a lot of depth to, to it. And, um, yeah, as I said, it's a very... It was a very big risk for Disney to take at the time and I wish it was more successful. Yeah, me too. I feel like it, it deserved to be more successful. But, yeah, hopefully 
we get more f from this in the future. All right. Okay. Yep. Uh, all right. <laughs> Nothing else to say now. No. All right. So my number 26 uh, to end this portion of the list is uh, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, um, which was uh, much higher on your list. It was 42. Mm -hmm. um, we've already talked about um, the 2011 adaptation. Yep. Um so, uh, obviously, this is 1977. Disney have brought the rights to the Winnie the Pooh source material. They're very famous books already, and this is uh, Disney's first real attempt at making them. They The movie works in an, uh, an anthology form in terms of they have several different stories that aren't connected to each other um, that have been made over the last 15 years-ish before this movie actually got released. And for me... Um, when people think of Winnie the Pooh, this is the Winnie the Pooh they think of. And for me, I think, as I said to you, when we did the 2011, I personally think more of the 1990 show because that's what I grew up on. Um, but this is the characters at their truest form for Disney in terms of um, they've they've got each of their characteristics. They've got the classic voices, which, again, some of them are a little off-putting because I like the, the 90s voices. But th these are some absolutely classic stories in it. Um, Sterling Holloway is a fantastic Winnie the Pooh Um John Field is a great piglet. Um, and yeah, the, the three stories are Winnie Pooh and the Honey Tree, Winnie the Pooh and the Blustering Day, and Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2. And I think that they're all very good, um, very good solo stories. And they do a little bit of a, a to bridge the gap with Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh's scenes themselves. Um, but overall, I was thoroughly entertained by these movies. These are classic Winnie the Pooh stories. And um, I love it. Whether it's, you know, trying to get the honey out of the, the bee tree and. Um, and the tree, you know, out of the hive with the bees. Um, or, you know, uh, Tigger getting introduced in the third story. I just feel like this is iconic Winnie the Pooh. And um, these characters have stood the test of time over the years. And that's because of this first film. I mean, they were famous from the... They were famous from all the novels. But this film really gave a voice to these characters and have made them iconic. So, um, mm. even more iconic than the novels were, obviously, in terms of kids. You know, they've grown up kids for 70 years now or whatever 60 yeah. years have grown up on Winnie the Pooh and yeah. and some of these stories and they've been readapted many times and some of these obviously got readapted in the 2011 movie so um and obviously the theme song's fantastic by the Sherman yeah. Brothers so I think yeah. that's probably one of the best parts of this movie the theme song <laughs> to be honest but um I I mean like I enjoyed it just for me I like I just didn't find it as entertaining as the like 2011 one and as the sort of tv show either um i'm i've like been obsessed with winnie the pooh since i was i can remember basically like that's always been like so the character like the store like the books and stuff that i've always really really loved um but yeah for me i don't know like although i love these stories and i do agree that the stories are iconic they just didn't like this the way they, they they did this one um it just didn't really hold my attention as much as the others like the other one did um i don't know whether it's just the whole anthology stuff like because a lot of my earlier like the later numbered ones for me are all kind of like the anthology movies like yep so like you've got like fantasia and yeah many adventures of winnie pooh and stuff like that like i feel like i don't know for me I kind of lost interest in it, even though I love the characters, I love the stories. It just, I kind of got a bit 
board. I think the difference between me and you in terms of that is obviously Winnie the Pooh 2011 has a lot more of a coherent, yeah. uh, coherent story in terms of it's a big adventure of 70 minutes. Yeah. I think Winnie the Pooh stories in general work in shorter form better. Yeah. So I like the 20 minute stories. It reminds me of the 90s TV show that I grew up with. I like the yeah. small segments and then we go to different stories. It's... I don't think that Winnie the Pooh, as much as these characters are fantastic, I don't think they've got that depth to last the whole feature. Even when you look at the 2011 one, which you're a big fan of, um, and I, I think it's fine, that movie's only 70 minutes long. Yeah. So again, it's a yeah. shorter adventure, and I think that Winnie the Pooh works in shorter forms better. Yeah, I agree. Even though I really I like Christopher that, Robbins, but, but obviously they put a human element yeah. in that live-action movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed Christopher Robbins as well, Yeah, so. But, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it was okay. I just, I think I, if I was to go back and watch... A Winnie the Pooh movie, I would go back to watch the 2011 one over the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Fair enough. But. All right, well, that was out 30 to 26. All right, Noletta, what is your number 25? Well, I've actually already seen it. Your number yeah. 25. My number 25. It's good yeah, to see prepared. <laughs> scroll, scroll. This is great podcast network. Please like what are you watching on Facebook and on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to all of them. I'm going to stall for time while Noletta tries to get her notes gathered and ready to go. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode so far. We still have 20 movies left to come. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm uh, ready. We've already gone through my 25. My number 25. Yeah, but we yeah, actually Atlantis. haven't gone through it on the list. Yeah, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Right. <laughs> Which was my number 27. Continue, your 24. Yeah, my 24th was Princess and the Frog. Yep. 23rd was Winnie the Pooh. Which leads us to your 22. Did you forget the format of the show? You still read them out, you know? But continue. What's your number 22? My number 22 is something that won't be talked about on this one. I'm almost positive, And that is Lilo and Stitch. I actually predicted it. And uh, <laughs> no, it's not on this part of the list yeah. at all. So, yeah, we'll talk about that when you get to it. And your number 21 we've already discussed as well. Yep, my number 21 is Frozen 2. All right. So and that is, you're up to the top 20. You're up to the... Mm-hmm. The top top tier for yourself. Yep. So the next part I'm of our list, next episode. All right. Well, we're going to move over to my twenty-five now, and uh, obviously these three are not going to be on your list. So mm. uh, the three that I'm missing, but uh, my number twenty-five is Sleeping Beauty. Okay. Yep. Obviously, in your top twenty. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that when we get there. Hope you're not too upset. No. It's a good movie. No, um, it's a good movie. All right, my 24, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So both the princesses, you know, the classical princess ones, two of them are pretty yeah. close. Yeah, I personally believe, yeah, obviously that That's Sleeping Beauty is the better one. Better, but but uh, we've already talked about that. We've already talked about that. Let's move <laughs> on. Uh, all right, number 23, Bambi for me. The classic. Mm-hmm. Another classic. Three classics in a row there to start my countdown. Obviously in your top 20 as well. Yep, my top uh, 20. Awesome. And my number 21 is, I uh, no, actually I'm up to 22. I'm uh, not up to 21. My number 22 is Raya and the Last Dragon, which I was yeah. shocked it hasn't been on your list yet. I know we both watched it for the first time. We've only seen it once yeah. this far. And uh, to make your top 20 is a big statement from one viewing. It's 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 up there for me, obviously. It's 22. Um, but uh, couldn't quite crack that top 20. But we'll yeah. talk about it when we get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, my number 21 was Wreck It Reef, which we already discussed. So that is the show where, where 40 to 40 to 21 have been discussed and we're up to our top 20. Um, thank you guys for listening again uh, to part two of our list. Now, Lena, what are your thoughts on, on our show today as a whole? Um, I'm actually pretty surprised at how similar our lists are turning out to be. Um, there's only been like a real few 
big change, like a few differences. I think that we've got but, like 15 of our top 20 at the mm, same movies, maybe in different orders. But yeah, um, yeah. there's obviously a few like Moana, Peter Pan, Dumbo. Yeah. A couple of movies like that, that uh, obviously Sleeping Beauty, there's a couple that... You know, we have different opinions about, but overall, a lot of the movies that we've got are different are kind of in similar spots as well, still, even if they're on different lists, like Oliver and Company, 41, 40, you yeah. know, stuff like that. So, yeah. um, but as I said, at this point of the list, I mean, this episode, every movie that we discussed, I think, is a, is a solid, if not really good movie. Yeah. It's just, uh, it makes it kind of hard. Everybody's going to have different opinions on a Disney list because you've got your personal connection, you've got the 100 years of history. Yeah. So, it, it, we're going to have different opinions for sure. And, um, we haven't really fought that much, apart from the Aroostook Cats, where I got a little bit, uh, a little bit. I started paying out someone's accent, so apologies to uh, whatever nationality that is. Um, but uh, listen, I got a bit, got a bit out of hand. Um, I don't actually like the murder of animals, um, including cats. So apologies for that part of the list as well. But we're going to get to the top twenty next time. Um, hopefully, it's out within the next week. This will be releasing on Thursday so hopefully early next week Monday probably is what we're targeting for the third part Um, then I think what we're going to do we haven't really discussed this off air so let's discuss it right now as Mm -hmm. as, because this is what good podcasters do we're not prepared we just discuss it straight on here (laughs) I think the Oscar show we're going to have Matt DuPont back he is confirmed to rank all the best picture nominees for 2021 I think we should release that on Oscar day I think we should record Oscar night and we should record it on Oscar day and mm-hmm. actually discuss what happened at the Oscars review them and see if we can get arrange that for that Monday and then rank them and see what we think of the best picture winner and whether it deserves to win yeah, I think that's so, a good idea. Um, I've got some movies to watch. I've only watched one of the nominees so far. So yeah, we'll get on that, so. I've got a few to catch up yeah, on. Yeah, so. Um, but all good. Thank you guys for listening to What Have We Been Watching for another week. Noel, you're going to be the host of the top 20. Yep. I'm looking forward to it where this is where the arguments really begin. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be interesting. No worries. Thank you guys for listening again. And I will see you next time on What Have We Been Watching.